This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Jackson, and I am joined, as always, by George Smith. George, how are you doing? Oh, not bad, mate. Not bad. Could have been better had Wednesday not lost to Rotherham today, but other than that, mate, I can't complain. The, I'm taking the upside of at least Grimsby won. Grimsby, Grimsby got a nice three points at the weekend, up to eighth now in the league, level on points for the playoffs. So I'm taking that as my positive and skating past the, the Owls misdemeanour this uh, this lunchtime as we record. But more importantly, we've got the wonderful world of the Championship to dive into now over the next hour or so. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. And make sure you are subscribed through your usual podcast platforms to make sure you get our episodes as soon as they go live every Monday morning. Make sure you're also following us on Twitter and Instagram at ChampChatPod24, where we are doing another giveaway um, where you can win a championship canvas, um, a nice print for your wall. Uh, that's free of charge and a little Twitter giveaway going going on on our socials. So make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at ChampChatPod24 to get involved. As always on the Monday pod, we're going to be breaking down all the key talking points from this weekend's championship action. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. And we're going to start, George, at the Riverside Stadium where Middlesbrough won their sixth consecutive championship match at home as Chris Wilder's side continue their push for a playoff spot, beating Derby County 4-1 at Riverside, as I said. Isaiah Jones, definitely the, the star man once again in this one, which is something we we're repeatedly saying when we, we talk about Middlesbrough. And it's it's always funny. I find this quite amusing where I think I watch Nottingham Forest live and I watch Jed Spence and think, how can he not be playing regularly at Middlesbrough? And then I watch Middlesbrough and I go, oh yeah, that's why, because Isaiah Jones is absolutely unreal as well. It's it's a fascinating dynamic, it really is, between the two right wing backs. And I actually think, I think Isaiah Jones has potentially got more translatable skills for the Premier League. I think... For a championship player in that position, I think Jed Spence might be the better fit at championship level. But I actually think Isaiah Jones got a higher ceiling. Um, I mean, this is such a pointless discussion. Like, I think we're going to see people argue about this for for um, for many many months to come between now and end of the season with no uh, way of actually determining it. But I think Isaiah Jones is brilliant, and the assist he got in midweek at QPR was phenomenal. Way the way he knocked it around the defender and. And then just drilled it across for the equaliser in stoppage time as well. The composure to do that, and then he goes and repeats the exact same sort of work here at uh, the Riverside. And lovely assist for uh, for the third goal, which was turned in by Matt Crooks. And when you look at Middlesbrough and the, the momentum they're building, particularly at home, um, and they've got West Brom, Fulham, Stoke all to come to the Riverside, and they'll fancy themselves to take some points off those teams. The only weakness I think they've got Middlesbrough in this team is in goal. I think Joe Lumley is definitely the weakest point in this team. Uh, he gave away, of course, a really glaring error, um, which allowed Chris Willick to score in midweek for, for QPR. And, let's, you know, they probably would have won that game, Borough, potentially, if, if Lumley hadn't made that error at one or a few minutes into the second half. And again, I thought today, I thought, I saw a lot of people raving about Max Bird's goal. But as I've watched the goal, back, I think it's bad goalkeeper. I think just to save it. It's, it's a bit of a skidder. And it, but it bounces a lot of times, and I, I really think the goalkeeper should be doing better. He's a little bit unsighted, but I do think Joe Lumley is the, the potential thing that could undo Middlesbrough. But otherwise, they look like a well-oiled machine. They've got goals from midfield. Probably would like a little bit more regularity in the goal scoring up front. 
Spiraz generally led the line for them this season. It was uh, Balogun and Connolly who started at the weekend. And they look really strong, really good in all departments. And Isaiah Jones just absolutely brilliant with, with that little bit of trickery and, and bit of a menace down that right-hand side. He's been fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right, aren't you? I mean, where to start? I mean, overall, another really good performance, really encouraging home win again. Like you say, six on the bounce now at the Riverside. They're really turning the home ground into a fortress and that's something that Middlesbrough haven't done for quite a few years. So that's a really encouraging first step that Chris Wilder's took. And when you think about it, we all expected Chris Wilder to make an impact there, didn't we? But I think he has done better than than a lot of people imagined so quickly. He's, he's really gone in there and stamped his authority on the team and got them playing how he wanted them to. And I think he's only lost twice, hasn't he, so far? And and one of those was away at Blackburn, which there's no disgrace in doing, considering how good they've been at home this season. And they, and they should have got something from that game, it must be said. But on Saturday, I mean, they were a cut above Derby for large portions of the game. Isaiah Jones was the architect-in-chief, three assists, and was just too hot for Derby to handle. It was as simple as that. It was an outstanding display from him. And, and overall, Middlesbrough just continue to tick along nicely. And, and like you said, their upcoming fixtures, certainly interesting ones. Luton, Barnsley, West Brom to come in the next few weeks, Bristol City up next. It's an opportunity to get points on the board. And when you're winning your home games like you are, you're going to be confident heading into those games. And Middlesbrough's next few home games now are West Brom, Luton, um, Cardiff. It's opportunities. It really is. And you wouldn't bet against this Chris Wilder side beating anybody at the minute. And, and looking even further forward, I wouldn't bet against them providing another shock in the FA Cup and beating Tottenham, because let's not forget they knocked Manchester United out of the FA Cup last week. So Chris Wilder doing a terrific job. A lot of players are stepping up individually. I agree with your point on the goalkeeper. I think Joe Lumley, I think he should have kept out Max Bird's FA. It seemed to be such slow motion, didn't it, from when he hit it to when it actually went in the back of the net. So I think Joe Lumley will be reviewing that and thinking, yeah, I should have done a little bit better. And that probably, like you say, is one of the weakest points in that Borough side because they've not really, even though Marcus Bettinelli was their number one last season, they've not really had a, a suitable long-term goalkeeper, in my opinion, since Darren Randolph left. So it's an area that I think they'll want to look at in the summer and I'm sure they're already drawing up plans, whether they be a Championship club or a Premier League club. But, I mean, overall, Chris Waller, what a job he's done so far. Into the top six, got a two-point gap. Obviously, there's plenty of teams breathing down their necks behind them. It's going to be a, a cracking race, but Borough are right in the thick of it, and, and deservedly so. They've been very, very impressive since Chris Wilder took the job. I think if you're Derby, you'll feel like the big moments in this game went against you. I know when you lose 4-1 away from home, you can not really claim that you're unlucky, but I do think there was big moments in this match that went against them. I think Matt Crooks probably should have been sent off for a, for a tackle on Max Bird in the first half at uh, 0-0, was that? Or it might have been at 1-0. Um, I think that was a red card side over the top of the ball. Might have been a one nil over the top of the ball on, on, on Max Bird, and then there's a huge deflection on the the second goal, which obviously makes it two one after Derby have got back in at one all. So yes, obviously Borough were the better team and deserve to win, but I do think Derby will look back and a couple of sliding door moments. You know, if that deflection goes an inch wide of the post, if Matt Crooks gets sent off at one nil, then it could have been a, a very different game. However, the big news for them is off the field this week where uh, Steve Gibson and Mel Morris in the build-up to this match have, have settled their dispute with Middlesbrough's legal claims, which had obviously been a massive hindrance to Derby County being able to, to name a preferred bidder with these you know these claims from Middlesbrough and Wickham. Middlesbrough being the, the, the outstanding one of the two, the largest sum of money. So great to see that get resolved. 
you know, I, I don't think we should be giving Mel Morris much credit, to be honest, for the situation he's left Derby in, but at least he's done the half-decent thing to put his hand in his pocket and sort that dispute out and let the club move forward, which, to be fair, is the very least he, he, he could have done for the club, for the, the mess he's led them into, if we're being honest. Hull City nil, Fulham won. The Cottagers are now 11 points clear of third place with a game in hand, seemingly with one foot in the Premier League. Want to talk about Nico Williams in this one? I think he's been a really good addition at right back. They've sort of flitted between Kenny Tete and, and Dennis Adoy at right back this season. And he's come in as a, a January addition. And it's a lovely cross from him from the right hand side to pick out Mitrovic for the winning goal. He uh, produced a really good cross in midweek for, for one of the goals as well. And nice to see him getting some regular minutes. I've, I've long thought that he, after sort of breaking onto the scene as a youngster at Liverpool, his career's really stagnated over the last year, 18 months, two years. He needed a move away from the club. Um, and this could really help kickstart his career. I don't think he's going to get any game time with Trent Alexander-Arnold doing what he's doing anytime soon. So alone to the Championship, maybe a mid, mid-table Premier League move is probably the best route to progress his career. In terms of Alexander Mitrovic, 31 goals for the season now, equaling Ivan Toni's record for the season. Uh, there's just a, another, what, 15 games to go or wherever we're at. Um, he's scored 49% of Fulham's goals this term. And to say they've net, he's net of 31, that's actually quite a staggeringly low percentage, really, when you think how many goals that Fulham have actually scored. The all-time record, George, for any championship season, not just when it was rebranded in 2004, is 42 goals, Guy Whittingham. Guy Whittingham, yeah. On, on current form and points, you know, goals per game, I reckon he could go and beat that. Every chance, I mean... I've actually worked out a stat ahead of recording for our Twitter page on, on Monday. So we're recording on Sunday night. This will be going live tomorrow on the Twitter page. Out of the 23 opposing clubs in the Championship, he's so far bagged the end 17 of them. He could complete the full set. There is still time. I believe they've still got to play the teams that he hasn't yet scored against. So there is a chance and I wouldn't bet against it. But I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? We're recording this the 13th of February. 31 league goals. It is insane. I think a lot of people would have tipped him for the golden boot this year, but not in this sort of fashion. And he could have had more than just a one on Saturday. Because he, he scored 31 yeah. goals in one exactly. season. It's just unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, who are we backing to achieve this next season? It's just, it's ridiculous. It's been a credit to, to him. It's been a joy to watch at times, but he's just got that natural predator instinct. And he scores a variety of goals, like at the weekend, terrific header to get on the end of Williams's cross. We've seen him scoring with his head, from range with his feet, inside the box, six-yard tappings, you name it, he's done it. But he's, he's like you said, he's what's made this Fulham team so successful this season. And yeah, players around him have chipped in now and again, but wow, 31 goals by February. It's insane. So, full so credit to him. Yeah, Fulham 11 points clear now, George. Do you think we can say they've got one foot in the Premier League? I think it's too early to say that they've got one foot there already because as we've seen, anything can happen in this league and things can change quickly. But it's certainly looking very encouraging now. It is safe to say they're certainly on a on a very good run again after a bit of a blip around Christmas. They are heading in the right direction. There's no doubt about that. It would be hard to bet against them, but they're not, they're not quite there just yet. But so far, I mean, you'd be foolish to say they wouldn't, but... I think it's too early to say they've got one foot in there already. I don't. I think they're. I think they're a Premier League club in waiting. I don't see anyone making that gap up 
of the teams that are in and around it, I think the only ones that could do it are too far behind, like your Middlesbrough. I think Middlesbrough could have potentially mm. caught them, but they're too far behind. Obviously, if they started the season at if with Chris Wilder, I think maybe they've got the consistency. Yeah. Um, QPR, I may have said that before the weekend, which we'll come on to. I don't think Blackburn could. West Brom, obviously, too far away as well, not even in the playoffs. So I think Fulham are, in, are, are there and I think they'll win the league and I definitely think they'll get promoted. So great, um, great week for them, picking up six points, of course. Hull, they had opportunities at 0-0. Marit Rodak did have to make some smart saves, but it's now three defeats in a row for them that... The most concerning of those in midweek, I think, losing 3-1 at Derby in what was a pretty miserable performance, if I'm honest. 3-0 down. Could have been uh, could have been a lot worse, really. This was a better display than that in midweek, but they've still only scored one goal in the last three games. And to say that they brought, obviously, Marcus Force in on deadline day, they brought in the striker from Turkey, who I, the name has escaped me. It's not quite clicking. No, it's not. It, for whatever reason, they've just lost that little bit of momentum that they had and it's obviously the new manager's come in and he, he won his first game beating the Swans and he's now followed it with three successive defeats. So he'll be he'll be concerned by that. He will be worried by that. And obviously we were all waxing lyrical about Hull at the time of the takeover and the run that they went on in that one week period of beating um, Blackburn, Bournemouth and, and Swansea. But when you dress it up in the greater scheme of things, it's six defeats in the last nine now and it's only three wins in the last 11. So... It is a little bit concerning when you dress it up that way, but there has been improvements in terms of where they were a few months ago. There's no doubt about that. They're certainly in a better place than they were. But I think, like you say, one goal in three games will be a, a bit of a concern. Got Sheffield United away next in midweek, so it doesn't get much easier with the run there at the minute. So they've got to try and find a way just to get things moving again. But in the grand scheme of things, in terms of where they were, it's better. But overall form at the minute, not particularly good. So they've got to find a way to turn it around, but... I'm not overly concerned. I, I, don't, I don't think they'll go down. I think this team's below them are much, much worse. They were a 12-point cushion. That They should be fine. Blackpool 1, Bournemouth 2. Got to give credit where credit's due. This was a fantastic comeback from the Cherries, although I don't think it's a game they deserve to win, really. If I'm honest, I think a point apiece would probably have been fair. New signings are plenty coming in. Um, and after the disappointment and, and sheer embarrassment, really, of losing to Borough Wood in the FA Cup last weekend, um, Cantwell, Nat Phillips, Suriki Dembele, all in the starting eleven with Cyrus Christie, and not Cyrus Christie with Ryan Christie unavailable uh, due to injury, and you know a few of those combined, of course, for the for the for the all important goals. Cantwell's cross, albeit via a deflection, finding Jamal Lowe to, to stab them level, and then Suriki Dembele with I'm sorry, what I'm going to have to say is a very lucky finish. I don't, I think he completely scuffs it and it just catches Grimshaw out at the near post. It just not expecting him to strike it that way. It was a very risky shot, if that's what he went for. Ultimately, he went into the back of the net in stoppage time. But I think it's probably a game they didn't deserve. But I suppose that makes it all the more important because when you are on a, a little bit of a sticky run, as Bournemouth, they've not been at their fluid best, it's fair to say, since the turn of the year, to get over the line and get three points when you're losing with five minutes to go, um, that's the stuff of, of character that can get you promoted. Yeah, it is. That That is what makes you the teams that are up there, doesn't it? By finding that way to win and, and grinding those wins out, even when you've not been at your fluent best. And and Bournemouth did that at the weekend. Blackpool made a really good fist of it. Obviously, took the lead in terrific fashion, it must be said, through Josh Bowler with another collector's item for him. And, and let's not forget, obviously, Bournemouth had the chance to go in front before that with 
arguably oh, one of the worst oh, penalties you're likely oh, to see. Oh, I, I hate even you can't my, even you can't defend that. It is one of my pet hates when players take stuttering run-ups like that, trying to be clever, trying to be cocky. Even and even totally your dream boat Solanke. Exactly, you know how much I love him. But that was it was pathetic to be quite honest with you. But luckily for him, his blushes were spared right at the end. So they got away with it. But like you said, they found the, the mentality and the spirit to come back. And yeah, they had that disappointment of losing to Boreham Wood in the FA Cup um, a week ago. But in the grand scheme of things, in terms of their league form, they seem to have picked up again, don't they? They've won three in a row now. They are improving again. It seems like they've got a little bit of a feel-good factor back in the squad. The, the deadline day sign is bound to have helped that, even though unfortunately they've lost Kiefer Moore now for a couple of months, which is a huge blow and really disappointing for him so soon after joining a new club. But with the intake of players they brought in on deadline day, they should have the firepower now to get over the line, even without Kiefer Moore, let's be honest. So they've opened up a bit of a gap on Blackburn. Obviously, we're recording this Sunday night, Blackburn at West Brom on Monday evening. The gap could be back down to two points if Blackburn win. But Bournemouth just starting to gather momentum again, I think, when they needed it with others behind them. Just just slipping up a little bit. Blackburn have not been at their best recently. So I think Scott Parker will be pleased. And the fact that, like you said, they've come from behind so late on to find a way to win it. That can only act as motivation now moving forward because they're out of the FA Cup. They've got the league fully to concentrate on. So it's just a case of keeping the foot to the floor and, and charging ahead because the squad's there, the capabilities there. We saw at the start of the season how good they can be. So I think Bournemouth have, have got a very good chance of uh, being Fulham's uh, companions and going up this season. Do you want to know what my pet hate is in terms of football? Yours is starting Mine's wingers that are stood offside when the ball's passed to them, like in like just in the opposition's half, and they're not like trying to run beyond the last man. They're literally stood stationary and just stood stationary offside, even though they can see all the way across the line. I would find people a week's a week's wages for doing that. That infuriates me because it's just really stupid. Like it's just something that's so avoidable. Not obviously if you're like running onto a pass, that's different. But if you're stood stationary and receive it to feet, and you're stood offside, you want shooting. That that is honestly that is my pet hate. I've there seen you go. it. Any, any reason I'm so passionate about that. The, the reason I'm so passionate is I watched Grimsby do it twice at the weekend, and then I watched Wednesday do it today, and it really infuriates me. It's just a just a pet hate of mine. Back to the championship, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, a sublime goal from Josh Bowler to continue his very very impressive form. He reminds me not not per se in the way he, he plays because I think he's he's a bit better in terms of his dribbling ability and. His, um, his speed at pace when he's carrying the ball. But some of the goals he scores, it reminds me of Joe Lolly when he was in his best sort of form at Nottingham Forest probably two years ago. Now I remember he had a storm in a 5 all draw between Villa and Forest at Villa Park when they were still in the Championship. So that was, what, a good four or five years ago now. Just sort of the way he strikes the ball and, and the goals he's scoring remind me of Lolly. Obviously, Lolly is a bit more of a, a technical player that likes the ball to feet and to shoot and pass from range and bowlers a bit more of a silky dribbler and someone who can run at people in a better way. But, you know, just the way he strikes the ball, it reminds me of, of Joe Lolly in that sort of prime period where he was just a bit unplayable and we thought he was possibly going to be like Villa's replacement for Jack Grealish when he moved on, etc, etc. Barnsley won at Queen's Park Rangers nil. Um, the shock of the weekend, no doubt. No will at no points. That's my um, overarching verdict from this game. A first win for... for Asbargi after 12 matches in charge of the Tykes. And it was January loan signing Domingos Quina that uh, made the instant impact coming into the side. Um, 
he obviously made his debut in midweek, I think it was, and, and he looked quite bright despite them losing at Luton. But I have to say, do you think David Mar- Dave Marsh should have done better? Because the, the co- someone said on Quest that, I think the commentator on Quest said, oh, there's nothing he can do about that. And I literally thought he should have saved it. I don't know. It was obviously a rasping drive, wasn't it? There's plenty exactly, of power though. on this shot. Yeah, it, it was straight at him. I mean, it's hard, I suppose, when you're seeing it only from one angle and what I've seen anyway. So, personally, from the angle I saw, I thought it was a it was a routine goal that a goalkeeper wouldn't expect to save. But if you've seen an alternative angle, slow motion, mm-hmm. then fair enough. But I haven't seen that. Um, yeah. I'll be honest, I've not seen Quest this week. I've literally just caught up on the highlights on the Sky Sports website. So, from my perspective, I, I didn't see anything wrong with it and wouldn't, wouldn't have questioned it if you'd not raised it. Well, it's a really good, obviously, victory for Barnsley, a much-needed win. And not one that we'd have expected, really. And, and they did well to limit QPR to very few clear-cut chances, I thought. And Keener's obviously someone that has been sort of mixed up in the in the shuffle at Watford. He's, he's not really had a settled run in their team at all. Then got loaned to Fulham. Fulham have got about eight players that can play at number 10 and, and in those wide areas behind Mitrovic. So he didn't get a game there. Bit of a coup, I think, for, for Barnsley to, to come in. And, you know, it's a big drop to go from Fulham to Barnsley. And I have to say credit to Keener for, for wanting to go out and wanting to play football. He could have sat at Watford and took his money for the next six months, but he wanted to go out and play football. Um, he probably could have got a better move had it happened earlier in the window. So credit to him for wanting to go out and he made a big difference there. He's got a nice left foot on him. I think he will add some quality in the final third, which Barnsley no doubt need because it's been, although they've been not been good defensively, scoring goals has been the biggest problem for them this season. And... As I say, they restricted QPR to, to very few chances, and this is a QPR side that have won the previous four away games. Would have been a club record fifth if they'd won at the weekend. And I can only really think of the Lyndon Dykes chance at the end where he misses the ball completely and should get his head on a, a decent cross from Johan Barbe to probably steering the equaliser, but he, he sort of fluffs his lines, doesn't get on the end of it. But apart from that, few chances at nil-nil, but, but I thought Barnsley were decent value for it, and I still don't think they're going to stay up. I still think they're a pretty awful side. But clearly, I do think there has been little marks of improvement in recent weeks. I think they were very unlucky not to take anything from the game against Bournemouth. And again, narrow loss in midweek at Luton. So we have seen signs of starting to you know, certainly close the gap and make the margins finer in these defeats. It's not going to change their season. They're still going to get relegated, but maybe something to... To build on if they can at least finish the season with a, with a, a crumb of credibility. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when you've won just 10% of your league games all season, you're down there for a reason, aren't you? They're, they're rooted to the bottom of the table. But all of a sudden, even though for as poor as they've been for practically the whole season, they are only five points from safety. It's not an impossible gap to make up. Peterborough, who we'll talk about shortly, are obviously struggling. Derby... They've been a little bit hit and miss in the last couple of weeks after being on a really good run. But Barnsley, obviously, have been the worst of the lot, proven by their league position and three wins in 30 games. But five points is not a lot to make up in 16 games that remain. I still think they will go down. They've not proven that they've got the quality and capability to stay up. But while they've got a chance, they've got to, they've got to try and take it. There's no doubt about that. It'd be foolish not to, obviously. So it's not over even though, obviously, most people will think that it is with the way they've played. So, it's all about now how they react from that win at the weekend and how they kick on and push on. So, Poirot's bargy, obviously, it's taken him a long, long time to sample the winning feeling. And 
to be honest with you, I'm surprised they, with Barnsley's record of hiring and firing, they allowed him this long to try and make things happen. But looking at Barnsley's upcoming fixtures, they've got Coventry away, Hull away, Middlesbrough at home, Derby away, Stoke at home, Fulham at home. So it's a real mixed bag of, of opponents. The game with Derby at the, on the 5th of March could be absolutely massive, depending on how they've gone in the next few before then. And bearing in mind, Barnsley's next two are away from home. It's uh, it's not going to get much easier. They've not won away all season. So it's going to be interesting to see. So it's all about the reaction from that win at the weekend and how they kick on from that. But they've got to, you've got to use it to their advantage. Credit to them at the weekend. A brilliant win, unexpected, but but deserved on the day. As you say, you think, oh, five points hasn't... Is there, are they only five points away? That's not much to make up. But then you remember yeah. they're averaging one win every 10 games. Exactly, exactly. So it doesn't matter because they're not going to win for another 10 games. So it's irrelevant that they're five points. They'd need another 20 games just to get the next six points to get them out of trouble. So They may surprise us. We'll see. Yeah, We're they may, to. but there's uh, not a lot of evidence based on the, the, the previous <laughs> 30 games, which is a fair sample size to say. They probably won't. Reading 2, Coventry 3. Um, Reading are the crisis club of the Championship at the minute, which is saying something given Derby County's situation. Haven't won in 11 matches, which was in the end of November. A 3-2 win at Swansea. They should have taken a point in this game, I think, but just disastrous defending, a very silly red card, and Tom Ince missing a sitter. doesn't. It didn't help their cause, did it? Let's be honest. Um, they can't defend. We've established that by some way. They are Them and Peter Barrar... <laughs> Having a having a contest to see who can be the worst defense in the championship, um, Junior Hoylet with two red cards for for two yellows six minutes apart, which are both just stupid tackles. He doesn't make need to make, particularly the second one. He's in his own half. He's not going anywhere. You're on a yellow card. You're an experienced player, probably their best player on the day as well. Really nice cross for for Lucas Yao's opener. And I think they probably deserved a point. Tom Ince, again, missing a sitter as again at the end, as I say. Great to see Mate back on the pitch. His direct running for that chance was really impressive. But they're in massive trouble and things are pretty sour off the pitch as well. I mean, Valko Panovic is hanging on, not even by a thread. Like, what, what's smaller than a thread? Whatever it is, that's what he's hanging on by. If they lose, I mean, he should have gone already, let's be fair. Do you remember when a month ago I said it would have been harsh to sack him? Like or, or, yeah. or no, I didn't say it would have been you, harsh you... to sack him. I said it would, it would. I felt a bit sorry for him, but he probably should get sacked. We're now a month yeah. on, probably from that, and now I don't feel <laughs> sorry for him. I don't know how he's got a job. Let's be fair. Um, and if they lose to Peterborough, oh. they're in massive trouble because nobody else. It is literally your pick. There are three teams that are going to go down, and there are four teams in it. So only one of them is going to stay up. And I tell you what, Derby are going to catch Reading because Derby are a much better side than Reading by a mile. Um, they've got to make a change. You've got to say so because, and if they lose to Peterborough, Peterborough will even get above them. And Peterborough are awful. They're a very Peterborough stay up. They'll be the worst championship side to have ever stayed up. I think genuinely. <laughs> um, and I think Derby will catch them. I really do because they've got no sign. And Cardiff and Hull have pulled clear now, so they're Reading are in massive trouble. The owners didn't wrote an open letter to the fans this week, and it's just fair to say it didn't go down very well at all. Um, their 150th year anniversary yesterday as well, by the way, which obviously got lost in the mass protests that were made before the match. They're just in crisis right now. And I feel sorry for Reading fans. Paunovic, I feel a little bit sorry for still because I think he needs putting out his misery. He needs t- taking out the back and, and sorting out, if we're being completely honest. Um, and Reading are just a football club in crisis. And the owners are doing very little to try and 
you know, remedy the situation. You know, words are no good at this situation, especially when they've played their part with horrendous recruitment that led to the six points that has ultimately led to their demise and put them in this situation, albeit results on the pitch doing plenty to contribute to that as well. I don't know where they go from here other than changing the manager, but even so, the the problems at that football club are so deep-rooted. And they've even not even got that many injuries anymore and they're still playing horrendously. Yeah, where to start? I mean, you've mentioned there about, obviously, you're pretty convinced that Derby will catch them and, and overtake them. And the question is for Reading now, have they left it too late to make this change? How far are these problems set, set I, I in? I think so. This is what I'm saying. I think because... If they'd done it a month ago, Cardiff and Hull were still in reach. I think yeah. they're knackered now. They've got no they one are. else to catch or to bring so, back into the, the mix. I'm going to I'm going to dive into my stats. You know that I love a stat or two. And I'm, I'm looking at Reading's form now. And the, the problems are just horrendous. They've lost eight in a row, including the cup defeat to Kidderminster, which was another story altogether. They've lost the last seven in the league. They've lost eight of the last nine in the league. They've won two games since bonfire night. And it's now the 13th of February. They've not kept a clean sheet since the 16th of October, and that was against Barnsley, so there's not exactly much to think in that one. It is an absolute shambles. And let's not forget, in this run that they've had recently, they conceded seven to Fulham, four to Huddersfield, four to QPR, and three against against Coventry at the weekend. They're in absolute freefall. How they've not dropped into the bottom three yet is unbelievable, to be quite honest, considering the form they've been on. So, Velko Panovic, like you say, he's hanging on by literally his fingertips at this moment in time. There are rumours going around as we record on Sunday night that apparently he's going to be sacked imminently. Don't know if there's any truth in those. But you do have to raise the question, how much longer do Reading run the risk of this? And when you bear in mind how well he did last season, initially when he arrived at the club, it was unbelievable. And it's quite a shame to see how it's suddenly gone so catastrophically wrong. But well, like you said, they've recovered now a lot of the injured players. They've got key players back. Lucas Joao has been back in the last few weeks and scored again at the weekend. So there's not really any excuses for them not to be able to turn this around with the quality that they've got. And aside from one or two, such as Michael Elise and, and the left-back Richards, they've not really lost bags and bags of quality since last season. They've still got key players who are doing things last year. So it is surprising, but the truth is, Reading, on the current trajectory they're on, they deserve to go down at the minute. They are literally keeping their heads above water by the barest of margins. And you just cannot see this slump bringing, coming to an end anytime soon. Like you say, this game coming up at Peterborough, away from home, it is absolutely massive, isn't it? If they fail to win that one, or at least get something from it, then boy, they are in deep, deep trouble. But like I say, the stats make for absolutely horrific viewing. So that game on Wednesday night at London Road is is crucial for, for Reading. It really is. And then after that, they've got Preston away, obviously on a, on a really good run at the minute. So it doesn't get much easier. So if Velko Panovic, as we record on Sunday evening, doesn't get the boot by the time of this uh, Preston Peterborough game comes around on Wednesday night, then it could be the biggest four days of his tenure by a country mile. It could be defining for Reading. That Peterborough game is absolutely massive for both clubs. Neil Warnock until the end of the season? Could do far worse. Far, far worse. I wouldn't say no if I was a Reading fan to that. No, not as far to go, for him to, to go either. I'm sure Sharon no. would be up for him taking one more trip <laughs> down memory lane. He'll, he'll jack it in one day. One day. I'm not sure I'm he sure. will. I think he'll die before he retires. 
Which probably will know him. He's obviously hopefully what, a long time away because he's a what a legend. legend. I know he is a legend. We ought to do a podcast dedicated to that man. We just play like audio clips from him. We'll just play uh, the excuse my language. You gotta fucking die to get three points. We'll just play that on a loop for an hour. And we'll also play my favourite one when he interrupted David Wagner's press conference. That oh, yeah. was a classic one. That we'll was play that. Terrific. That can be for half an hour, and we'll do the other one for another <laughs> half an hour. Millwall uh, <laughs> two, Cardiff City one. Um, oh no, actually, I wanted to talk about Coventry. I was going to say some nice things about Coventry as well. Um, it's only fair. Lovely header for Cov to go back in front as Michael Rose highest. See, what I did there. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was a good have. header. It was a good header. Um, Embarrassment and, yeah, to this. As podcast. if I've gone back just to make that gag. That's brilliant. Um, They've been playing much better, in fairness, Coventry. I did want to, I did want to touch on Coventry, to be fair. Um, I do feel like the recent results haven't reflected their performances, so I think uh, very much deserved to probably get a little bit of the rub of the green, where I think previous games they played better and not got the result, and I think they probably should have drawn this game and did get the result. So, credit. Mark Robbins said pretty much similar, in fairness, in his post-match press conference, but I do think they've been playing better than their results yeah. have. Apparently, have uh, apparently, they played given. really well in midweek against Blackpool. Apparently yes, they were excellent, and, well. and, a, and they played well at Middlesbrough recently as well. So that the performances have been there. Borough, I saw a lot of Borough fans raving about Coventry. And after obviously, we were there. we were raving, weren't we, about Coventry at the start of the season when they were really like pushing high and knocking on the door of the of the top six. And bearing in mind, they're only five points off at the moment. It's not an impossible task, unlikely with what's ahead of them. But boy, any Coventry fan would have snapped your hand off for that at the start of the season. They've they've, they've had a terrific season, one they can be proud of. Yeah, they really would. Uh, Millwall 2, Cardiff 1, second attempt. Stonewall penalty for Cardiff in this one at 0-0. I, I, I don't know how he didn't... How how was that not a penalty? He, made, he played handball was Jake Cooper. It's a great save. If Bartoff Bielkowski ever gets sent off, I know he's going to go in goal. Um, but I, I thought Cardiff were the better team in this, I have to be honest. I'm quite big on Cardiff at the minute. I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Cardiff. I think they've turned a corner massively. 2.48 XG in this one against Millwall's one point something. I think they were the better team. I think they should have had a Stonewall penalty at nil-nil. But credit to Gary Rowett because it's his substitutes that made the difference after they went 1-0 up. Uh, Murray Wallace heading in from a, from a low corner and then substitutes George Saville and Mason Bennett combining. Only a second goal of the season for Mason Bennett, which shows how much he sort of really struggled, especially after sort of the recruitment of Benicophobia and um, a few of us in January. I, I think Cardiff have much improved, I'd say. I think they'll definitely stay up. But they did... I, I'm quite happy to write this one off from a Cardiff point of view. I think they should have had a penalty at, at 1-0. And I think... At 0-0, sorry. And I think some of the goals were a little bit unlucky and a little bit avoidable. So I'm quite big on Cardiff still. I think they've massively improved as a football team. I'm more confident about them kicking on, certainly, next season. I liked the January recruitment. I think Hugel and Nick Piazzi will cause a lot of problems for a lot of championship defences. As a pair too, I think they'll play well as a pairing. And you know Steve Morrison is going to play two men up front because obviously he thrives so much in that system. He knows the the value of a front two. Uh, him, Tommy and, Duck- him and Neil Harris. What him a and Neil Harris, yeah. Him and Lee Gregory as well was very good to be yeah. fair. Um, Tommy well, you, Doyle's been an inspired acquisition in central midfield literally as well. just going to come on to him he's been really good. A lot good. of Cardiff fans have been raving about him saying how outstanding he's been for this yeah. level. I don't obviously credit to Millwall. I'm not trying to like take away from them. They won the game. You know, you'd be forgiven for thinking that Cardiff won with the way we're speaking. But I just think Cardiff have been really improved recently. I'm quite big yeah, on them have. at the minute. And they've, yes, Millwall won the game, but I think Cardiff were the better team. Yeah, Cardiff have done well of late. They've turned a corner. They've won three of the last four. 
I mean, to be fair, I watched the FA Cup game at Liverpool last weekend and for what they were up against, I thought they did really well. I thought they played well, certainly in the first half. I thought they carried a bit of a threat. They could have had a, easily have had a penalty. So Steve Morrison clearly is, is changing the culture of that club and changing the style of play for the better. And it's obviously, it's been a season in the end in the grand scheme of things that Cardiff are going to, they're just going to want to write off and forget about. It's not been a season to look back on with fondness. They're not going to go down. The teams beneath them are far, far worse. And you would only expect Cardiff to pull clear as the weeks go by. But like I said, the improvements have been there in recent weeks. The weekend was was one of those days where the rubber the green didn't go their way. But I don't think they'll be too worried. They've got back-to-back home games to come now. So they'll be looking forward to those. Yeah, I think so. Um, good win for Millwall, nonetheless. They're up to 15th in the league now. Just another season of mid-table nothingness a little bit for them, really, if we're being honest. They've had a few players out injured, of key players. Tom Bradshaw, after a hot scoring run, he's been out. Wallace has been in and out of the team as well, Jed Wallace. So, for them, a good win. Cardiff, not really worried. I think they'll be OK, and I think they'll pick up some more points between now and the end of the season and be well clear of danger, if I'm honest. Birmingham 3, Luton 0. I'll tell you what, Luton will be glad to see the back of Birmingham. They've lost 8-0 on aggregate over the two games after getting thumped 5-0 in the reverse fixture at Kenilworth Road. More protests in this one. Another club that's got plenty of turmoil off the pitch, but on the pitch, things much better for the Blues. Um, very weird system they played. They had one centre-back in their team, Christian Pedersen and, and Maxine Colleen, who's a very attacking fullback. I don't really know how he fits in at right centre-back, making up their, their three-man defence. And I thought Bakuna really good. I've seen some suggestions that Jermaine Bakuna might be one of their best transfers since um, Shea Adams. He's, he's earned a lot of plaudits after coming in from Rangers. Obviously, he was a bit of an outcast at Huddersfield and only joined Rangers in the summer. And Lyle Taylor, of course, that relationship with Lee Bowyer, proving pivotal and, and he's going from strength to strength. Four goals already since coming in in the January window. And something between those pair clearly works. Onel Hernandez on as well getting a goal for 3-0. And I thought Birmingham were really good. From a Luton point of view, this is why they won't finish in the playoffs, in my opinion, because although they were eighth coming into the weekend, I still rate Sheffield United, who were below them, above them. I'd have West Brom above them as well, who I think were below them as well at the start of the weekend. Because every once in a while, they throw in a result like this that makes absolutely no sense. And this is why they won't finish in the top six, in my opinion. They don't need to finish in the top six either to have a really good season. If they finish in the top 10, amazing season. If they finish in the top half, amazing season. But they won't finish in the top six, in my opinion, because there are too many teams that are better than them despite the points tally because of results like this. This is just a a prime example of weird results that they just throw up every now and again, which is why I perhaps don't take them as seriously for the top six as their points tally might suggest. Nonetheless, really don't want to take credit away from Birmingham. Um, soft goals to give away from a from a Luton perspective, especially the, the one for Lyle Taylor where Henry Lansbury sort of pokes it back towards his own goal. But nonetheless, uh, an important result for Birmingham. Nice to see a clean sheet, which they've not had in a while either. And three really nice goals from their point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And it's those January signings, isn't it, that have inspired much of it at the weekend and when you consider that their January signings, I think, have scored six of the last seven goals, it shows that the recruitment has been important. But at the same time, I do think it's important not to get too carried away. They have only won two of the last 12 games, dating back to the 27th of November. So it is important just to remain grounded. But at the weekend, they were full credit. They fully deserved the victory. 
Bakuna has made a real impact. Lyle Taylor, likewise, he's had a really good start. Like you say, that past relationship of him and Lebo from the Charlton days is certainly certainly working. So hopefully for them, it's something that they can build on and, and move forward. And similar to Cardiff, where in the sense that it's going to be a season probably come the end of it, they're going to want to get to and just write it off because they're not going to go down. I think there's something like 16 points clear of the drop zone. It's it's impossible, you would think, to see that clawed back with the quality that's being produced beneath them. So it's just a case of Birmingham obviously got to sort off, sort off, sort uh, all about these off-field issues and get them resolved because the club is being held back, isn't it? At the end of the day, with matters upstairs, Lee Bowyer, in the circumstances, you could argue has done well, but the performances like that at the weekend and like the Luton win back in August and the wins over. Sheffield United wins over Derby back at that time. It proves that they are capable of doing things because Lee Bowyer, I think, has done a very good job since he took the job almost a year ago. So it's just a case of being allowed for him, being him getting the, the chance to kick on and improve the squad to a greater degree. But a good win at the weekend uh, and a performance that they, the fans can be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Peterborough, nil, Preston North End one. Bit of a copy and paste this from last week in terms of North End and the 1-0 win at, uh, at Hull, of course. Cameron Archer with the winner. He's a brilliant foil for Emil Reese jacobson That's that's a really nice combination up front. He, you know, we waxed lyrical about him on last week's podcast. He's been brilliant again in midweek and again uh, this weekend. I don't have any idea how Peterborough is so close to safety. Like they don't deserve it. Like they just don't. Like, I don't have anything against Peterborough in terms of a football club. They've just been shit this season. They've not been very good. <laughs> I really hope Derby stay up, just because they deserve to stay up because they've been the best of those four teams that have have been if, really if you... bad, haven't they? They've been really awful. Like Rotherham would have stayed up this year. Wednesday would have stayed up this year. <laughs> Who else went down? Wickham. Wickham would have stayed. Up. All three of last year's relegated teams would have stayed up this season. If you're new to the podcast, Elliot likes to say how it is. He doesn't beat about the bush. They're just not very good, are they? Well, I'm going to tell you why they're not very good. I'm going to reel off some stats now that I have prepared. You you offer a bit more analysis than me saying I like the analysis. So, here's just a few key stats that I've worked out for Peterborough. Seven championship games without a win. Three defeats in a row without scoring. Six defeats in the last seven. One win in the last 15. And two scored in five. They just deserve to be relegated. Those sort of stats deserve relegation. And it comes back to the point, doesn't it? Why did they give Darren Ferguson such a long-term contract when they were so new into the championship? Darren McAnthony, I was listening to a little bit of him because there was a little bit of um, stuff about Grinsby he was talking about, which which was of interest to me. But I like him. I understand where he's coming from. He wants to build sustainability with the club. I get it. I just think for a club of Peterborough, when you've not been up in the championship for seven years... Why throw it away? Why I I think they can acquire. I think the squad's capable of more. If I thought like a Rotherham situation, for example, where Paul Warren is getting the absolute maximum out of every player he can, then I would be like, yeah, keep him. I'm a massive fan. You know me. If anything, I'm the opposite. I think managers should stay longer than probably a lot of people do. I'm not a fan of sacking managers. That squad, I think you can get more out of, and I think a more experienced manager at Championship level could be doing a better job with Peterborough than Darren Ferguson is. So I agree with you. I think it's bizarre and I would, have, I probably would make a change, actually, if I'm honest. Yeah, I think it's certainly something they've got to consider because they've been out of the Championship. It was 2013, they dropped out. I remember it, it was 2012-2013. They've obviously had they a long road They actually road went back. down that year with the highest ever points tally of yeah, the team I in the Championship. Well. They lost at Palace 1-0 on last day of the season. 
they did after beating Wednesday the week before and having a pitch invasion, celebrating staying up. And it was Wednesday that stayed up. It's quite funny in the end. But Peterborough, like you say, the, the players that they've got, when you reel them off, some of them, uh, Sammy Smodics, really good player. John Clark Harris, obviously worked wonders last season in League One. George Grant's a good operator. Jack Marriott's got bags of experience. Big fan of Callum Morton, what he's done at lower level. I do think there is potential in that squad for them to have done more. And like you say, Darren Ferguson has not produced it. And let's not go too too hard into them and, and write them off completely, even though we kind of are. But the two points from safety, it's, it's not impossible, but they are showing zero signs of being capable of getting out of it. When you're producing one win in 15 games, that proves that you've got a serious, serious problem of being unable to win football matches at this level. Have we ever had three worse teams in the Championship than Reading, Peterborough and Barnsley? Why, to have three of them that bad? I'd have to to go back and do some research. The fact that there's three teams... All right, we can't include Derby in this, because obviously they would have had a lot more if it wasn't for the points deduction, but Reading, Peterborough, Barnsley, they've played 89 games between them this season. And the highest points tally that one of them has got is 22. It is it's shambolic, isn't it? How many games have they what won you think between about? them? Between them, they have won... Out of 89. 16. 16 wins between them. One win every shambolic, five games between them. Shambolic, isn't it? Mm. When you think about it, Peter have lost the same amount of games as Barnsley have. And this obviously... this Obviously, everybody knows about the Derby situation and what they've done. When you consider that Wayne Rooney's team have lost 10 games... Peterborough above them, 19 defeats. Barnsley directly below, 19 defeats. Reading, 18 defeats. It shows just how bad those two have been in comparison to Derby. So, like you say, has there been three worse teams than this, including Reading? It'd be worth putting that on the on the Twitter. If you're listening to this, let us know. Send us a tweet. Can you recall a time? Can you recall a time when there's been three worst relegation threatened teams? Let's talk about a better team, which is Preston North End, who deserves some credit again for another good win. Um, Twenty points in eleven under Ryan Lowe, just short of automatic promotion sort of rate. Two points a game is what we look for for automatic promotion. Um, Certainly a playoff level team over the last 11 games. Not that far away in the discussion, if we're being completely honest. A little bit... There's a chance. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll do it, but it, it bodes well for next season. And we like the recruitment that we saw Absolutely. in January with with, uh, with Archer as well. Five clean Terrific sheets in signing. those 11 games as well. Yeah, um, I mean, I've seen the highlights of the game and let's be honest, Preston did have to ride their luck at times. Peterborough did have a lot of chances in this game. Must be... Must be fair to credit Peter in that sense. They did create a lot and Preston did ride the luck at times. But when you've found a way to win away from home, whether it's a team at the top, team at the bottom, it's those 1-0 wins that can define your season. And Preston found a way for the second week in a row. And Cameron Archer, I mean, what a prospect this young man's proven to be. He's settled in with ease, hasn't he? And Ryan Lowe, the same. Five wins from his first 11 in the league. Seven places they've gained. The clean sheet record is also impressive, almost at the halfway mark of 50% from his first 11. So I think there's reasons for optimism, certainly ahead of next season. But with the way this playoff race is shaping up to be, with how tight and how interesting it's going to be, you can't rule them out. But the teams above them have got games in hand, it must be pointed out. But let's be honest, from where Preston were, the improvement has been been very impressive. And full credit to Ryan Lowy's. He's obviously in his corner at Plymouth. He's done a good job there. Berry also. And he's come in and adapted to championship life with ease. And 
for me, I think he's a manager that's uh, got a very, very bright future ahead of himself. And well done to him. He's had a terrific start. And for Preston fans, like I said last week, it's almost like they've been drag kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Something new, something exciting. And the Preston board already proving they were bang on the money to go with him. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Ryan, though. I think he's done a really good job so far. And excited to see how things could de- develop in the next 18 months or so. Final game of the weekend, Swansea City Swansea City 3, Bristol City 1. Today's Sunday game. Big win for Swans. Um, Oberfemi in the goals once again. Joe Pirot ending a, a dry spell in front of goal as well. And given their recent lack of goals, at 1-0 down and 50 minutes on the clock, you wouldn't have fancied them to get three more goals to get back into this one. But um, they did so. Credit to Russell Martin for that. And really good to see them having another score in Oberfemi. Um, obviously scored against... Blackburn and they've needed another goal scorer haven't they this season with Joel yeah. Perrault pretty much heavily relied on and Jamie Patterson big win for them this huge win one that they desperately needed because they've obviously had a bit of a bit of a blip of late obviously they beat Blackburn but that was their first win in four when they when they got that win last week so it's not been the easiest time when you take into account they've only won three times since the end of November so it, it's been a troubling period for Russell Martin but I think in a way it's in, in his sense, in terms of the management side of things, I think it's in a, I think he's similar in a sense to Carlos Corbran when he went into Huddersfield in the sense that he's trying to install a completely new style and it's just going to be a case of, of playing a waiting game. It's not going to click instantly. And, and Swansea have had, they've had their moments this season. Joel Perrault has proven to be a fantastic addition. Jamie Patterson the same. So I just think for Swansea, it's going to be an adaptation period that's just going to take several months. It's going to take time. The summer will be very interesting for them. They're not going to go down. They're not going to go up. So they are going to be a championship club again next season. It's just obviously when you're comparing it to where they were last season, it's obviously a, a big downgrade. But they've had a complete culture reset with things. But overall, I think Russell Martin can be pleased with what he's achieved so far. Big step up for him as well, let's not forget. So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer. That'll be a, a defining period for them. But big win on Sunday, one that they needed and hopefully... It's a sign of things to come between now and the end of the season. Three more goals added to the goals against Colin for Bristol City as well. Although another goal for Andy Vyman as he continues his very good season. Absolutely. Two draws, two quite eventful draws actually in terms of a few uh, talking points. Forest two, uh, Stoke two. I have no idea what Bryce Samba was thinking. <laughs> Just absolutely <laughs> mental moment of madness. Just decides to punch Phil Jagielka during normal play and surprised he got sent off. Very bizarre situation. <laughs> Stoke will be very disappointed to have dropped two points late on. Um, I have to say, Lewis Baker's been really good for them. A lot of fans raving about him, his, his acquisition since coming in from Chelsea. He's been excellent in recent matches, um, and, but they'll be disappointed to have dropped those two points at the end. Huddersfield nil, Sheffield United nil. Very typical tight South Yorkshire derby from two teams on good and beaten runs, which I think we could have expected. But they should have had a penalty Huddersfield because... Russell's goals ruled out correctly, ultimately. But the only reason Danny Wolbe was offside and brought down Wes Fodringham is because George Baldock threw him on the floor in the first place. So they should have had a penalty, which obviously would have been a big opportunity for them to get the winner in. But otherwise, quite a tight game. Sheffield United had one cleared off the line through Ollie McBurney. And that's your weekend championship roundup. This is the Championship Chat Podcast. We're going to finish this weekend's pod, as always, with our shocks and bankers. George, what have you got for me? Well, in terms of a banker this weekend, I'm going to go for Derby to win at home to Peterborough. Can't see anything other than a home winning that one. Peterborough obviously being absolutely atrocious away from home this season. Derby have been pretty good at home for the large part of the campaign. So 
going for Derby to win that one in the two contesting each other in the bottom three. In terms of a shock this weekend, I'm going to go quite brave and I'm going to go for one that might surprise you. I'm going to go for Millwall to win at Blackburn. Blackburn is stumbling of late, particularly at home. Obviously, lost to Forest last time out. So I'm going to go for Millwall to uh, provide an upset in that one. I'm going to go for my banker, Preston, to be Reading at Deepdale. They've been really good under Ryan Lowe, as we've just touched on. Just shy of automatic promotion form. Playoff side in the last 11 games. Reading, fully expect them to have a new manager by the this point, regardless of what happens in midweek against Peterborough. And I would be shocked if they can turn things around that quickly that they're getting a, a, a win at Preston. So I still think it's a relatively safe bet, although I do caveat with the fact that Reading might change their manager, get a good result in midweek, and then and then we'll see where they're at. But I'm going to go for Preston to beat Reading as my banker. Uh, and then my shock, I'm going to go for um, Luton. I think Luton to beat West Brom at home at, at Kenilworth Road. Although they were well beaten by Birmingham at the weekend, Luton have certainly been in better form of late. I think they've took, they took 10 points out of the last 12 prior to the defeat at St Andrews. West Brom, we don't really know what to make of them yet under Steve Bruce. Of course, they play tomorrow night against Blackburn. I just think they're vulnerable still, and I think potentially, although they didn't do horrific against Sheffield United in midweek, I think that it's a it's a game where Luton could potentially cause an upset. So I'm going for Luton to beat West Brom as my shock and Preston to beat Reading as my banker. And that rounds off the end of this week's Championship Chat podcast. Thank you, as always, for your listen. If you do enjoy the podcast, please make sure you subscribe in your usual podcast app and make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at ChampChatPod24. Make sure you go and get involved in our Championship print giveaway which is ongoing, which you'll find all across our social media platforms. Sharing the podcast helps go a long way to reaching new listeners. So if you do enjoy our weekly breakdowns, please make sure you drop a retweet when the episodes go live every Monday morning. And you can support this podcast with our Ko-Fi page, contributing the cost of a cup of coffee towards our monthly overheads on a one-off basis. The link to donate is in our podcast description if you do feel so inclined. Have a great week and we'll catch you next Monday for another episode of the Championship Chat Podcast. This is the Championship Chat Podcast, your home of news, views and debate from England's second tier.